Would you pray with me? Father, we do come before you um, in your word, and we want to not just understand it, Lord, but we want to know you more, and we want to be able to apply it to our lives. So I'd ask that you would give us that, that power this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, just so that you remember, um, we're doing the series in Revelation of the Letters to the Seven Churches. So today, as your tour guide, I want to remind you that we um, started last week in Ephesus, and today we're going to go to the church in Smyrna. I'd ask that you keep all hands inside the bus on our tour. So, I'm going to read Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 8, where we hear Jesus, the consultant to this church, tell us his evaluation. To the angel in the church of Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, Yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you your life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. So as your tour guide, I'm going to try to do three things today. I'm going to try to give you a little bit of background on the city of Smyrna, because you've probably not been here before. Um, I want to draw parallels to the story in Daniel 1 that Pastor Howard read. And then we're going to summarize Jesus, the consultant's report about this church in Smyrna. So, Smyrna is a large port city. It's 40 miles north of Ephesus. Today, it would be called Izmir in Turkey, which is Turkish for Smyrna. It was the famous birthplace of Homer, the famous poet. Along with the cities of Ephesus and Pergamum, Smyrna were the three largest cities in the Roman Empire of Asia. The city, at the time of John's vision, had been established about 2,000 years before by Hittite territory. The people were later taken off into captivity into Assyria. And in 600 BC, the Iron Age military leader Lydian Alades the second, invaded Smyrna and completely destroyed it. The city lay dormant for 300 years. However, the people who had been scattered from it were in various villages, but loyally just referred to themselves as Smyrnans. They regrouped those 300 years later and rebuilt the city with the help of one of Alexander's officers. John's description here as Jesus as the Christ who died and came to life would have been a specific allusion to the fact that this city had died 
and unexpectedly come back to life 300 years later. When the residents of Smyrna rebuilt the city, they moved it slightly southwest to the slopes of Mount Pegasus, and they built a fortified citadel for protection. The buildings were of impressive architectural design, and most importantly, they formed a circle which looked like a crown atop the hillside in the mountain. The beautiful and important port city was known as the center of medicine and science in the Roman Empire at the time of John's writing. There were also gold and silversmiths there. The emperor Domitian was the head of the Roman Empire at this time. Now, he was not as cruel as his predecessors Caligula or Nero, but he was still widely feared and despised by the upper-class Roman citizens. He demanded unwavering loyalty from his military commanders, and he insisted upon being called Master and God. He executed his own brother and many other intellectuals and philosophers, principally because their ideas differed from his. He instituted the law that made it a crime not to worship his image, even on the coins, as Lord. This caused many Christians to have to choose between acknowledging the Caesar as Lord, and, allow, and which allowed them to live, or acknowledging Jesus as Lord and possibly have to face death for doing so. Most citizens lived in a, fear, a state of fear and terror of him because of his erratic behavior and impulsiveness. Domitian wore a fancy Greek clothing, including a crown, whenever he presided over the Senate or the yearly athletic games. He was paranoid, including the fact that he kept 24 bodyguards around him at all times. This ended up not being a really secure plan because one of those bodyguards later killed him in the year 96. The Jews that were living in Smyrna at the time were collaborating with the occupying force of Domitian and the Romans. They persecuted the Christians with zeal. There was a lot of animosity for the Christians. For this reason, John here in our passage refers to the Jews mockingly as the synagogue of Satan, rather than the well-known Jewish phrase, synagogue of the Lord, that is seen in the book of Numbers. So that's a little bit about Smyrna. Now we're going to turn our attention to Daniel. So Daniel and his three friends were also under occupation of a foreign government. At that time, it was not Domitian, but it was King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He was also hostile towards the Hebrews' allegiance to God and their worship practices. He, too, wanted to be worshipped as God. He had destroyed Solomon's temple in Jerusalem and taken Daniel and the others captive in 586 B.C. King Nebuchadnezzar was referred to by both Daniel and Jeremiah as the enemy of God, 
Some people went as far to call him the anti-God or the anti-Christ. He was known for greatly expanding the borders of Babylon and building fortified cities and moats, canals, and even the first complex irrigation system, since water was a scarce but necessary resource. So Daniel and his friends, who were being trained to be in the king's court, well-dressed, intelligent, and well-fed, they were given the assignment to learn the Babylonian ways for three years, including eating food from the king's table and choice wine. They felt that this was against their religious uh, observations, and so they refused. They stood up for themselves, and they refused to eat the meat from the king's table. This was a serious risk. They were putting their lives on the line to take a stand. They could have been killed for their disobedience. We read that Daniel asked the guard for a 10-day test to have them eat only water and vegetables and then be examined at the end and compared to all the other men eating the choice meat and wine. The guard was afraid for his own life that the king might hear of this but he granted it because it was only 10 days. During those 10 days, Daniel and his friends prayed to God, not to the king. Daniel 1.17 records, God gave them knowledge and understanding. And in verse 19, it says, the king found no one equal to Daniel and his three friends at the end of those 10 days. So they entered the king's service. The point of the story is not that the diet was somehow more healthy, but that their appearance and their wisdom for discerning truth from falsehood came as gifts from God. The 10 days gave God time to do his work in them, and at the end of the testing period, to show God's work to others. And they proved faithful because of God, and they were given places, Daniel and his friends, in the king's court, likely including in getting to wear crowns for special occasions. So now that we know the background of Smyrna, and we know the parallels to Daniel, we want to um, take a look at the consultant's report. So Jesus is sort of evaluating all the churches. You saw the structure last week. He does a self-identification of himself, who Jesus is, he commends them for some things, he challenges them to do some things, and then he gives a summary. So that's really how the consultant's report works. So, Jesus describes himself as the first and the last, and the one who died and came to life again. John is clearly referencing something that would resonate with the people of Smyrna. They were aware of their history. Their city had been destroyed and then was brought to life unexpectedly 300 years later. Jesus himself was dead and came back to life after three days. The first and the last goes along with God's description of himself in Isaiah, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So these two descriptions would serve to remind and encourage the church at Smyrna that God is truly 
the beginning and the end. He holds all time in his hands. So new life and time itself are in God's hands. Those are some of the things that all of those who are suffering can hold on to in hope. So that's what Jesus identifies himself as, the first and the last, and the one who came back to life. So what does the church in Smyrna get commended for? The richness of their perseverance, their faithfulness, and their loyalty despite their suffering. So in the same way that Daniel and his friends had to suffer and not eat everything else and be under the penalty of death, these folks at Smyrna knew what it was to be persecuted, sometimes to the point of death. They were familiar with suffering. Even the very name of the word of the city, Smyrna, has the word myrrh in it. You'll recall gold, frankincense, and myrrh were the oils given to Jesus. The oil of myrrh is a fragrance used in preparing bodies for burial. So it's kind of like the name of their city was the death and suffering fragrance. But God's reassurance to them and to anyone who suffers for his name, as we heard in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, is that God truly sees their affliction. He understands the pain and struggle and is with them in their times of tribulation, up to and including death if necessary. So they're commended for their perseverance, their faithfulness, and their loyalty. So what does the church in Smyrna get criticized for? The sound you're hearing is crickets. They were not criticized for anything. This was very unusual. In the two churches, in the seven churches in Revelation, only two churches have no criticism whatsoever. And it was Smyrna and Philadelphia. It's very unusual. So lastly, the closing recommendation from Jesus to the church at Smyrna. This is unfortunately a bit of a good news, bad news situation. The good news is that Jesus commends Smyrna for remaining faithful during persecution. The bad news is that they will need to use those same skills of faithfulness and perseverance again because the persecutions are going to continue. The suffering will go on. He tells them in Revelation 2.10, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you your life as your victor's crown. The 10 days is obviously a callback to Daniel, giving time for God to do his work, and being faithful during that time knowing that that time is not endless, but that God will be working in the midst of it. The reference to the crown, not the silly crown of Domitian that Smyrna had witnessed, not even in the crown of the fortress of the buildings of the city, but the true crown of eternal life with Jesus. It says here in verse 10, do not be afraid but be faithful. 
This was the same message that God had given to Moses, to Joshua, to David, and to all of us. Don't be afraid. Trust God. The tough times will last only a certain amount of time. Daniel for 10 days, Moses for 40 years, and here in Revelation, it seems Smyrna too is going to be tested for 10 days. In the midst of suffering, realize that it is a time for God to work out his purposes. Stay faithful and don't doubt that God is working in and through the times of suffering to bring about blessedness. Listen again to this blessedness that Jesus promised from Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Persecuted for righteousness. This was certainly Daniel and his friends. It's certainly the church in Smyrna. And some would say it's the lot of Christians throughout time. Several years ago, actually more than several, probably about two decades now, who's counting, um, I got to go visit the crowned jewels in the Tower of London. They were and are magnificent. There are really not superlative adjectives to describe the intricate precious stones in these fancy tiaras and crowns and necklaces and rings and it was just overwhelming. The only thing that made me a little wistful and sad was that they were all in hermetically sealed, temperature-controlled, security-protective glass cases. They're only removed for coronations and weddings and other very special events. I thought to myself, if I had something that beautiful, like a crown with precious jewels, I'd want to wear it all the time. But there they sit, the crowns preserved and locked away, not visible to most people. And I thought to myself, isn't that a little bit how we treat our Christian faith? It's not readily on display all the time. We kind of keep it under wraps, saving it for a special occasion. But that's not the kind of crown that Jesus is talking about for Smyrna and for us. That kind of crown is well-worn, has seen a few battles and some mishaps, perhaps dented in places where things were really difficult. The crown is not perfect, but the one who gives the crown is. Jesus does not promise us an easy, carefree life. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, Jesus says in the Gospel of John. The consultant Jesus also tells the church in Smyrna, the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. So let me say it again. The reward for the church at Smyrna is the same reward for those who are faithful to God in our time. 
It's the crown of life, eternal life, such that even physical death in this life is not able to hurt us. We will be resurrected with Jesus like he was, and we will be with him eternally. So in summary, as the consultant to the churches, Jesus commends the church at Smyrna. They are faithful, they have persevered, they have suffered, their city was destroyed, but later resurrected. They've survived some battles and some persecution for Jesus' sake. They have lived in fear of the emperor. Like Daniel in the Old Testament, they boldly refuse to compromise and worship the emperor as God. But they have worn their faith crowns proudly. And the crowns are somewhat dented as a result. But if they remain faithful, and if we remain faithful, their dented crowns will be replaced by the magnificent one, the crown of life given by Jesus himself. No more death, no more fear, no more persecution. So my closing question to you as your tour guide today what does your crown look like? Is it hermetically sealed and not on display? Or has it seen some bumps along the way? I have a few dents in my crown. If we, like Daniel and the, other, and the church at Smyrna, remain faithful, the crown we look forward to is the crown of eternal life. And it is beautiful beyond description. Amen. Amen.